Welcome to week three of key takeaways here on the Collective Podcast feed. As always, I'm Austin, bringing you uh, the things that I think are most important from this past week of college football. As always, guys, thank you for your support. And I, all 22 members who are listening to this, couldn't do any of this without you guys. Busy week, way more exciting than I think we all anticipated it being. So I'm going to hop right into this here. Um, and we're going to start um, as we typically do with week three target leaders. Uh, probably going to do after next week, uh, uh, kind of where we're at in terms of combining all four weeks. But so far this year, I've just been going through and looking at each week's target leaders and seeing, you know, is this volume sustainable? Is this an offense that maybe we weren't keeping an eye on that we should? Um, and I think uh, so far, we've definitely unearthed some gems doing this. Um, some guys that I think I was a little higher on said, go buy them. And hopefully you got some of them because I think they're here to stay in terms of volume, which is really important for what we're doing here uh, for fantasy purposes. So Nate McCollum from UNC, really not not his his debut for the season, but it was. He played a, a couple of snaps week two, um, but got the start here in week three and immediately was Drake May's top target. 21 targets in this one. I believe this is the first 20 targeter that we've had on the season. Um, so big, big week there for him. 52% of the team's targets went to McCollum. Uh, and he turned that into a, over 100 yards, a touchdown, had himself a really nice week there. Um, could be the, the the piece that we needed for this whole offense. I think that's a really interesting debate, and we can certainly discuss that over the next couple of weeks as we see if Drake May um, continues to look better like he did in this one. But McCollum, I think I, I think this is a guy that uh, is floating around in some leagues still. I actually grabbed him on waivers in a league this morning. Um, and if he's floating out there, I think you have to absolutely make a play for him. A guy that even he's obviously not going to get 21 targets every week, but 10, 12, um, you know, somewhere in that range on average, um, this kind of this far into the season, if you're hurting a wide receiver is, is really a nice, uh, ad. So he is the biggest priority guy for me this week and a guy that I think, um, surprising, but not surprising. Um, and definitely I think. Uh, Hertz pays towards upside a little bit if we want to talk about some of the other pieces there. And then I don't know if there was anything else in that receiving group that was, I don't know, particularly interesting. I know Bryson Nesbitt got a touchdown this week, and I know some people still like Andre Green Jr. But I, I think for the most part, it's going to be McCollum up at the tippy tippy top, and then Paysor could kind of be a, a floor play guy. Um, but I do think this probably hurts him in the long term. Lejante Wester from FAU again on this list with 18 targets. Uh, mixed mixed bag here for uh, Wester this week because his quarterback goes down. Did still see some targets uh, after uh, Casey Thompson left. Uh, I'm way less confident in Daniel Richardson, so I am slightly concerned about him as a guy that I think, um, as I highlighted, I think maybe last week, I think he's just a super solid fantasy guy that, that people don't really value. Um, I'm not buying him anymore, but definitely a hold. We'll see. He could, he could still just get volume. Sometimes the quarterback play is like, not so catastrophically bad that it uh, kind of uh, like it it can derail a whole offense or it can be just bad enough where like they focus on one guy. So we're kind of hoping that that's what happens here. Uh, uh, Torrey Horton on the list here at 17 targets, I think back to what we expected out of him, that whole CSU offense, uh, much more fast paced. They threw the ball almost 50 times. I believe they ran it uh, 30 something as well. So, I mean, this is a team that, that this is what they want to do. Looks like maybe they're getting back to what uh, that is. So change of quarterback there. Uh, wheels up for Torrey Horton. Ricky White had six, uh, 17 as well. 
uh, someone in our Discord said, you know, Jekyll and Hyde, essentially, this guy is. Uh, I have a really hard time trusting him. I thought it would be a nice season for him. New quarterback. So, you know, if he does this again next week, uh, maybe I'll start reevaluating there as a guy that can start every week, but don't have it there for now. Eric Brooks, a Fresno, uh, Fresno State, a guy that I love, love, love. I still think he's too cheap. Uh, if you're looking for cheap production, probably not on waiver wires anymore, but you can probably acquire him. Um, if a team's not not doing great for a, a decent price, I don't know. Maybe I'd offer a fourth round supplemental pick to see if somebody would bite on that. The next couple of names are a little surprising. Uh, I think they're more indicative of uh, maybe just larger, you know, questions about the offenses that they're in. Abdur Rahman Yassin is actually really weirdly a guy that we kind of liked coming out of the freshman a few years ago for Purdue. Um, hadn't really done much i i i probably had him rostered in one or two spots years ago but uh, i i've definitely dropped him by now there's no way that i uh, was continuing to to keep him around um but he had 14 targets this week for purdue um uh, that offense is air raid-esque they they pass the ball around a lot but it seems like right now they're still kind of trying to figure out who the guy is there through the first two weeks of the season uh rama uh, yasin had uh, five targets and four targets, and then 14 this week. So something to watch there. Um, overall, I, I'm not sure. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily sustainable. It's not a guy that I'm going to pick up. Now, if he does it again, maybe I'm interested. And he is technically leading the team in targets right now. But Deion Burks, Max Clare, TJ Sheffield, actually all within a handful of targets of him. So it does really look like this is a, te- a team that's passing the ball a lot but either hasn't found a guy yet or or just isn't going to find a guy. Um, so, you know, uh, buyer beware on any of those guys. There, I actually think Claire at tight end might be the most interesting just because he's, you know, a tight end. Um, two Virginia players here also at 14 targets. Malachi Fields, Malik Washington. I watched some of this game, but I still don't have a good feel for if this was something that's going to continue a little bit more for them, 41 total pass attempts for Virginia uh, seems high. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure that I'm buying that they're going to do that again, or at least consistently, especially with a true freshman quarterback who I think they did ask him to do a little too much this week. And we saw him uh, in that second half there make some costly mistakes for them. So uh, that game got, got out of hand really, really quickly. Um, so I, I, again, I don't think either of those guys are, are buys at the moment. Um, but, uh, keep an eye on them watch list for sure. And see what's going on there. Uh, Xavier Henderson also showed up here again at 14 targets for Cincinnati. Um, he's, he's been the go-to guy, um, in weeks, a uh, couple weeks here for Cincy. So, uh, definitely rosterable. I'm not sure I'm buying NFL stuff yet, but a guy that was, uh, where I always start was for highly, highly rated recruits was not a year one zero. Uh, broke at least one of those thresholds. So that's good. Uh, probably want to see a, a breakout before year four. A little concerning there, um, but big athletic guy. So not not ready to say anything else more than he's a, a nice looking CFF piece. Could be a guy you pick up for pretty cheap now and maybe gets drafted in the third or fourth round or something to a decent offense and, and holds a little bit of value. Malachi Corley, welcome back. Started right where he left off 13 targets. And this one um, had uh, over 20 fantasy points against Ohio State. That's great. Malik Neighbors, big day. I don't think we really need to say anything about him. Neighbors is Neighbors. I'm still more in the camp that he's more of an NFL wide receiver too. Um, but a uh, really nice one. And this one, Miss, uh, Mississippi State just had zero answers for him. Uh, Caleb Hood, uh, Georgia Southern, had himself a nice week against Wisconsin. Um, 
I think uh, weekly, he's kind of the floor guy, the guy that's going to be really, really consistent. Drummond Burgess there, kind of the more downfield guy, uh, more explosive, more weekly upside. I think both are um, fairly close to equal in value. If you can get Hood for a little bit cheaper than Burgess um, in like a trade or something, you're looking to add a guy, then I think uh, that definitely makes some sense there. I'd be happy to do that. Then Roderick Burns is on here in North Texas, a guy that um, has, we've kind of flirted with multiple times over the past couple of years. This North Texas offense will flash for a week or two, and he'll kind of be the major recipient. Um, it's him and Jamori Macklin there are, are the two top guys. They both um, are the clear top two guys in targets for North Texas, 21 and 23 uh, between the two of them. Macklin is the guy on the boundary, working downfield, higher ADOT, an ADOT of almost 16 and a half. Um, so, so he's, he's working down field more Roderick Burns, uh, 94% of the time he's running out of the slot, um, a dot of 8.6. So again, this, if you want to say, you know, this is the, the, the dollar store version of, of what's going on at, at Georgia Southern, I guess you could do that. I think this North Texas team is built to run the ball a decent amounts and the quarterback play isn't, um, quite as bad as it has been a couple of years in the past. So it could be a cheap, uh, offense that could do pretty well uh, down the stretch. And I believe they do have some soft matchups here. Just looking at the rest of their schedule for the year. Um, you've got Navy in there, Temple in there, um, uh, UAB who looked pretty suspect defensively Tulsa. So um, definitely some, some decent matchups there for them. Not a priority guy, um, unlimited waivers only kind of guys. I would say him and, and Macklin, quite frankly, I think are interesting uh, moving forward. Um, let's go to freshman snap counts. I think this was an interesting week for freshman snaps. We're starting to get a few weeks in, um, cupcakes are mostly done. Like we're still playing some lower, you know, if you're an F, uh, a power five team, maybe you're playing some lower G five teams, but you're not playing those FCS schools anymore. Schedules tightening up and we'll continue to really tighten up over the next week or two. So that's going to be a really telling time, uh, for us. I did drop in the discord for you guys, a, um, uh, a spreadsheet, uh, a copy of the spreadsheet, essentially that I use every week. I'll drop that in there every week moving forward. Every Sunday, I go in and pull as many of like the relevant freshmen as I can, and I try to pick up as many as possible. Um, obviously, it's not an exhaustive list because I have to pull this manually from PFF. Um, so it does. I mean, this probably takes me, I don't know, forty-five minutes to sit down and kind of go through all the games and teams that I need to 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 pull all this because I pull their snaps, total team snaps, and then calculate the percentage. Um, quarterbacks at the top here again, uh, Calandria, Keon Jenkins. I don't think we need to talk about either of them. They both played hundred percent of their team snaps. And I think they probably will, uh, moving forward Jenkins, at least, especially, I mean, maybe Musket comes back and plays for Virginia, but I kind of doubt it. I think Calandria is the guy there. I don't think that I find Calandria very interesting for right now, but I do find Keon Jenkins very, very intriguing for fantasy. And again, I think he's still, Floating on waivers out there as a guy that you can go at for a buck that um, I think could be a, a really nice long-term play there. Um, and as I think I was speaking with Chris Moxley yesterday, maybe a guy that doesn't even stay at FIU his whole career. He might honestly be too good for that. So that would be interesting. I mean, I'm not sure that makes us feel too good for fantasy purposes if he really establishes himself there. But um, he's he's impressed me this year uh, so far, even though it hasn't been great opposition. I mean, that's what we kind of want out of FIU players, quite frankly. Uh, next up on the list here, LJ Martin at BYU. This has been such a roller coaster with him, but it does seem like he's finally gotten that job. 
Uh, he played 92% of his team snaps this week, led the team in rushing and attempts and all that kind of jazz. I think he's probably here to stay. Um, Aiden Robbins hasn't really been very effective. And I think they probably gave him a fair shake. Uh, so LJ Martin stocks way up. Um, if you have him, uh, you're feeling pretty good today. Luke Haas at Arkansas, 91% of the snaps here for him this week. He's He's been at tight end starting for them every week, I think, at this point. He's been a staple. I think he's been on this list uh, at the top four or five every single week. London Humphreys of Vanderbilt, I think, is an interesting name. Um, a guy that we kind of liked as just like a really athletic guy. And as we've talked about on a lot of different shows, the way that Vanderbilt recruits is really intriguing. If they're offering guys or, or interesting guys, usually that their names that you should should kind of uh, put them on your radar a little bit. So uh, he's been really explosive. They really like kind of these like, you know, just hyper athletic guys, a wide receiver between McGowan, Humphreys and um, Will Shepard. Um, so I think he'll continue to get snaps. I mean, they're starting to head into the SEC here. I don't see any reason why he won't. 82% every week, maybe not. But uh, regardless, uh, I think he'll he'll get out there. Aiden Williams at Ole Miss played 81% of snaps this week for um, for for the Rebels there. Uh, I think this was a really big blown opportunity, actually, for Aiden Williams, which is a bummer because uh, I know a lot of people are really excited about him. Um Zachary Franklin, Trey Harris, both out, and they might still be out for a few more weeks. So I don't want to say this was his only chance to produce, but um, he he definitely was the beneficiary of those injuries. Three targets total in this game, even though he, he, he played that many snaps, ran that many routes, one reception. Um, you know, I think he's on pace to probably, depending on how many more weeks he gets like this, beat the year one zero thresholds. Um, but I'm not feeling amazing about him at the moment. Um, but um, I think if he hangs around Ole Miss for a while, he's probably got a factor in there for a few years. So, you know, that that is uh, worth something for sure. Um, outside of that, I mean, I think True Edwards at Louisiana Tech is an interesting guy because I still think he's probably probably available in your league. Um, he's not produced a ton, but I still think he's really, really interesting because he is uh, was a lowly rated recruit, but he started immediately as a true freshman. Uh, there and his dad is Troy Edwards, who won the Bolitnikoff at Louisiana Tech. And if I remember correctly, when I researched this a while ago for some random reason, was the last non-Power Five uh, player to win the Bolitnikoff. Uh, First-round draft pick for the Steelers uh, had made himself a, an okay NFL career. Probably wasn't uh, worthy of a first-round pick, but I think you know those bloodlines being at his dad's alma mater, getting this much run. If this offense can kind of get in sync, and I think they've really yet to do that, then um, I, I think he's going to be really interesting and obviously has a few years there. Um, so so some nice longevity. Dylan Edwards on the list again. You know, After that, that spike week, week one, we haven't gotten a lot out of him. Um, kind of to be expected. Darius Taylor, this is the name that, that's really spiking up here. Belcal workload two weeks in a row here now, 138 yards against UNC. We're going to get multiple years out of him there in Minnesota. We like that. Um, so uh, I thought some of these other backs would put up a little more of a fight. I thought Zach Evans was somewhat comparable, but apparently not. So Darius Taylor, go buy him. Go find him if he's available out there. Make him yours. Then Benjamin Brommer, Iowa State, was a guy that we did feature in the freshman guide as kind of a wide receiver transitioning to tight end. Um, played 60% of snaps this week. Has been playing. Uh, a fair amount of snaps every week has been producing okay for what that offense has been doing. 
Um, if you're in like a two tight end league or something like that, and it's a deeper league, um, I have scooped him up uh, in one or two places with those kinds of circumstances. Otherwise, I mean, this offense is so bad, no rush to grab him, but a name to watch for for sure. Volume is king. Teams that ran the most plays this week. Um, Cincinnati ran 96, 51 rushing, 45 passing, which is actually um, uh, an interesting split there for them uh, in their loss. So, you know, uh, sad times there for them. TCU ran a ton of plays again. Colorado State ran 92, third in the country. I think that's really interesting because that is the pace they want to play at. 57 passing snaps, 35 rushing snaps. Uh, that's about the split that we'd expect. I believe they had a 60 something percent, um, uh, neutral game script pass rate, uh, under uh, Jane or Jane Orval usually likes to have it around there. So that that's about the ratio that they want. Um, so this isn't like for them, I don't think this is necessarily a blip. Are they going to run 92 plays every week? Probably not, but you're going to see this kind of split and, you know, roughly this kind of volume 40 plus pass attempts. I think so. I think they've got their their new quarterback and uh, uh, Nicolosi Fowler, whatever name his name is, um, and I think uh, he's a guy that I, I kind of like off waivers this week in deeper leagues where I need some quarterback help. North Texas, there they are again, ran a lot of plays this week. Could be good for their receivers. Georgia Tech ran a ton of plays, um, lost to Ole Miss. I think that's more about opponent. I don't think you're going to see them on this list too many more times this year. Not that they're playing slow, but I think that's that was a big factor there for them. UCF ran a ton of plays. Um, I would expect, again, this number to go down, especially as they get into Big Ten play, or sorry, Big 12 play. Wake Forest um, had to run a ton because they were playing uh, down against Old Dominion for most of the game, but I think uh, they came back and won, and I think you know they, they generally will run a, a fair amount, so no surprise there. Buffalo, 64 pass snaps for Buffalo at 86. Really, really interesting, and they haven't exactly done a ton with it. Um, so, I mean, at the Cole Snyder there, uh, has been like, okay. And he shows up on a lot of my waiver wires as, um, like one of the top kind of remaining players sitting out there just because he's complete, he's, he's attempted 124 passes in three weeks, nine touchdowns, two interceptions. Um, sure. I mean, a, a deep guy, if you really want to go look, the schedule is not going to get, uh, terribly difficult there in the Mac. Um, and they did have a relatively difficult non-con. They had uh, Wisconsin in there, um, uh, 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 Liberty this week, which is you know a tougher matchup for them. Um, but they start you know Louisiana this week, Akron, Central Michigan, Bowling Green. I mean that's a, a fairly nice stretch. So uh, Cole Snyder, an interesting name there. Um, you would say you know well if they've got a, a pretty good quarterback receivers do we want any i mean i think marlon johnson or marilyn johnson however you pronounce it is probably the guy i'm most interested in but the target share there is is 19 18 15 12 10 between their top guys like it, it's pretty spread out johnson's been uh the, mo the more explosive guy so far um they kind of use them all over the place a little bit about 30 percent slot 70 percent out wide um, has the highest ADOT of that crew uh, of top guys, but they're all, his ADOT's 9.7. The guys behind him, 8.4, 8.1, 8.5. Like it's, they're, they're, I, I don't, the, the offensive line is not good. They're all operating kind of in that short intermediate area. They kind of have to. So will that continue once they shift into uh, conference play? Who's to say? Um, interesting there. FAU ran 85. We'll see if that continues with the new quarterback. Fresno State ran 85. Um, I, I really like to see that. I, I think they want to play that way if they can. And we're getting some nice fantasy production out of some of those guys. Mikey Keene's been okay at quarterback. 
uh, Gilliam hasn't really been getting into the end zone a ton, but he's been pretty good at running back for them. And then uh, Eric Brooks has been great at wide receiver too. And then they've got some ancillary wide receivers, Jalen Gill, Jalen Moss, that I think are, are pretty interesting there too. So um, that's this week's uh, volume is king. Um, and I think that's kind of the takeaways I'm taking for some of those, those uh, top teams there. My waivers strategy for the week. So we're finally starting to get to the point where um, waivers are kind of catching up and everyone has kind of made their moves. And most of the names that we've highlighted, even if they weren't picked up the week that we mentioned them on here, uh, are gone by this stage because they've strung together a couple other weeks after. So, I mean, I think McCollum, who I mentioned earlier, is the top guy if he's out there. Um, like I said, I, I did manage to grab him this morning off a set of waivers. Um, and I think I have like maybe two other leagues where he's out there. So go, go, uh, go get him spend up, uh, kind of probably the, one of the, the, the last few, um, spend 70% of my budget kind of guys that's going to be out there. Colin Lacey is sitting out there. He's scored over 20 points in back-to-back weeks for South Alabama. Um, uh, and it wasn't cupcake schedule. I mean, kind of, but not really. Cause they played Oklahoma state this weekend. Who's bad, but not that bad. Um, so I think he's a guy that could be in that range the rest of the season. Um, I think he's a guy you can probably get for a little bit cheaper. Uh, and then Xavier Leggett is kind of the, uh, last name that I'm like officially putting in my waiver ads for the week. Um, I, he's been really interesting. We talked about him on campus life this week. Colin and I did, um, he's averaging like 16 and a half a dot. Um, he's like, he's listed at like six, three, two twenty five. Like he's kind of just this big monster guy. Yeah. Some contested catch stuff. Um, but moves really fluidly for that size. He's a, he's an interesting player. I'm not necessarily ready to, uh, call him a Debbie piece for sure. I also haven't like really deep dived him. I know that Brandon Lejeune and, um, Jason DiRienzo have. So if you're looking for a breakdown in Xavier Leggett, uh, the Debbie deep dive guys have you covered there. Um, but I think a guy that has like 70 catches in four years and now this year is, is, is going bonkers. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a little skeptical, but he's definitely, I think even if Antoine Wells comes back, this team can't run the ball. They have to pass it. Wells, uh, Wells is pretty well-rounded, but I think if you had to kind of put him in a role, it would kind of be that intermediate guy possession with occasional ability to take the top off the defense. Whereas you put Leggett on the boundary and you just kind of work him downfield a lot. I do think they actually complement each other pretty well. So I don't, I, I mean, can I, I think he's got what 26 targets through three games. Would that continue with Wells playing full time? I don't know, but I'm also not sure. Um, like we're three weeks in. And for anybody who hasn't played, like I didn't play football in college, but I did play college sports. Once you get injured, unless you're just like sitting out for a long time during the season, like you're you're not going to get back to 100%. So I'm kind of skeptical that we see 100% Wells this season. Um, so I think Leggett could still get targets no matter what. So we'll see. Um, interesting player. Um, and I think I am officially adding him places this week. The other uh, guy I did say, you know, check check into the podcast for an additional name that I'm adding this week, uh, and that's Robert Lewis, who has been really good for Georgia State this year. This uh, offense, like, it, it's a pretty interesting offense because I think they, I, I like, we like Darren Granger. He's a uh, dual threat. He's mobile. He's effective enough passing the ball where teams have to respect him doing that. Um, 
Marcus Carroll has been pretty good for them. A little bit of a down week this past week. Um, but but overall, this season has been uh, really, really good. Um, and then Lewis has been their wide receiver one, 21 targets on the season. And they uh, 17 uh, carry, uh, receptions on those targets. So is that sustainable? That's a good question. Uh, over 80% receiving uh, percentage, reception percentage uh, feels a little bit high. Um, but you like the volume there nonetheless, um, averaging, what, seven targets uh, per game essentially there. Um, four touchdowns on the year. That's going to be tough to continue. So this is why I'm not like making him necessarily an official uh, play that I love. But an ADOT, double-digit ADOT, 13 yards. So in terms of value of targets, they're a little further downfield. That's really, really nice to see. Um, not a ton of contested catch stuff. So he's getting open and they're getting him open which is really, really nice. Contested catch stuff, basically not at all. Only two contested targets so far, and he's one for two on those. Um, he's mi- making uh, people miss nine missed tackles forced through three games. Uh, all this data from PFF, by the way. So um, just really, really um, strong kind of showing overall for him. Georgia State, you know, they're not playing a, a super difficult schedule uh, overall. So I think you can kind of project some sort of of um, solid production to continue. Uh, you know, they've had Rhode Island, UConn, and Charlotte through three weeks. Not exactly world beaters, but then you go and look at the schedule. They've got, they do have LSU week 12. But then other than that, they've got Coastal Carolina. That's a tough game this week. Troy, pretty good defense. Uh, Marshall, Louisiana, Georgia Southern. James Madison has not been as good defensively this year. A little more uh, suspect overall. Appalachian State, not amazing defensively. Um, and ODU. So, um, overall, I think that's a pretty soft schedule. I still think he can produce, and he is floating around on a lot of waivers. Like he's been one of those guys that I think a lot of people, if they get one waiver claim a week or whatever, they put him as like the seventh option. And if it gets to him, great. Um, but it, it typically doesn't, and he he's still floating around a little bit out there. So interesting player there. Injuries to monitor. Um, this wasn't this was kind of a tough week for injuries. I, I highlighted a couple in the article. There are a lot more, and we've gotten some more information on some guys since I wrote this. So, you know, I, I'll try to cover some names here. Quinchon Judkins is, is probably the most, uh, or the one that, that has me kind of scratching my head a little bit because Kiffin came out and said Judkins was doubtful. I know Kiffin, like, kind of take what he says with a grain of salt. So that's, I guess, my bad. Um, but he went and played 38 snaps and carried the ball 13 times. Now he wasn't good. So I do think he is injured. He, he averaged, I think right around three yards per carry. It was a really bad game by his standards against a Georgia tech defense that um, hasn't been amazing against the run this year. I watched that Louisville game specifically where, where they were Jawar uh, Jordan had that nice long run, but they, they were able to run the ball a little bit on him. So not sure what the deal was there. Uh, monitor it. Um, still kind of worried about starting him moving forward. Jordan Travis went down for FSU, but came back. It sounds like it's non-throwing hand slash wrist. Um, it's going to be interesting. You know, they've, I think he's been really hesitant to run. And I think they don't want him to run because they're not happy with the guys behind him. So does this impact that even more? I mean, I think most of his, a lot of his big plays this year have kind of been uh, off script or buying, buying a little bit of extra time. Is he still going to be willing to do that? It shouldn't impact him throwing the ball you know, his, his non-throwing hand, but something to watch. And they have Clemson this week. So, um, you know, what Clemson, I'm sure will be trying to, to hit him a little bit and make him uncomfortable. And Travis Hunter, uh, lacerated kidney, which came out after this was, um, published, but, um, so, you know, uh, out a few weeks shouldn't be, uh, terribly 
serious for him long-term should be completely fine. Some other names that I uh, just highlighted. So I'll, I'll apologize to anybody who I said, don't start Devin Neal this week. I still think that's the right process unless you just didn't have anybody else on your roster. I would much rather leave a huge point week on my bench because they're saying a guy's limited all week in practice than do the alternative and get like four points, which I think really hurts you a lot. Or if you have a guy that you think can get you 15, you plug him in and that's what you get. Um, then, you know, I think, I think that hurts a lot less personally. And obviously if you lost a matchup, because you did that and the difference of 20 points or whatever ended up burning you. then apologies. That's on me. Um, but that's just personally how I approach starting decisions. So I guess he's fine. <laughs> it was Nevada for what it's worth. So we'll, we'll monitor it for sure. The next couple of weeks, um, a couple tight ends, uh, Aranda Gadsden done for the year, Luke Lachey probably done for the year. Um, so pivoting elsewhere, um, hopefully you have some other tight ends, Dalvin Smith's out too, uh, Brent Keithy, some other guys. So, um, uh, you're starting to get a little thin out there at top tight end, um, hug your, your Ben, your and your, uh, Brock Bowers closely tonight. Uh, RJ Maryland. I don't know if he got injured. I can't find anything on this. He did play like 20 snaps this week, which I also didn't realize initially before I started looking, uh, for further information, but didn't put up a stat. Uh, he was, uh, Inside or spoiler, like he was at their media thing this week as like the only player available. So I guess he's probably fine. I, I don't really know. That's basically the most information that I could find on him. So I don't know. I don't know what you do with them. I guess wait and see if there's any news, but SMU just doesn't really seem to have that much news. So, you know, if you've got an option, maybe you're sitting him this week until we see another um, kind of big week out of him or, you know, a week where he's playing the majority of the snaps. Um, next topic here, year one zeros. How are we adjusting? Um, like I said earlier, kind of non-conference, you really have like maybe one week left for a lot of teams or, or maybe they're hopping into it this week, uh, in, in some places. So your for some of these kind of top ranked wide receivers that are at big power five schools that now, uh, have their sights set on winning a conference, competing for a conference, competing for uh, a playoff spot. Um, the games start getting a little more serious now. And if you're not getting snaps, you probably aren't going to see more snaps as the games get tougher unless somebody gets injured or something like that. So I wanted to check in. We have a nice little year one zero tool on the website. It's under tools. Um, it's the last one on the list. If you guys are looking to kind of see all this data visualized and you can go back to 2014 um, and see how all these freshmen have done. You can break it out. Um, you, you can see, you know, which categories they've beaten. And if they haven't gotten there, you can go and see how close they are in any given metric um, by switching between the icons and stats tabs on there. Um, so go ahead. I encourage you to play around with that. Um, but what that doesn't tell you is how many snaps they're playing and how many targets they're getting. So we're going to help you do that today and then discuss what, what the plan of attack is uh, for a bunch of these top guys who uh aren't super close overall i'm not including carnell tate because he has i believe 75 yards receiving he has uh, i believe four catches as well he's getting snaps i'm about 98 percent sure that he's going to get there unless he gets injured or something um so let's start with jonte cook um jonte cook at texas who is my you know a guy that i have been extremely high on this year and still am for what it's worth uh through three weeks, 17, two, and five total offensive snaps, which is all I'm looking at for this. Um, if a, I, None of these guys were playing enough kick return stats 
for for them to be a consistent kick or punt returner for them to break the special teams thresholds so that's why i ignored those if there had been a player who was who was doing that a lot um i, I would have highlighted that because they're going to break it uh, pretty easily if that's the case the the special teams thresholds are uh, pretty low overall i believe it's like five total kick or punt returns so um but nobody uh really doing that right now uh four targets on the season for jante i think he still gets there because Texas does still have a couple of weaker games. He is still getting some run. Um, he did have a target last week. Um, so like he, he's still kind of involved. And I do think he's kind of that guy right behind the starters where if somebody gets hurt, he's stepping in Unlike some of these guys that just like, it's clear that they're, they're still two or three guys ahead of them. If something were to happen. So that's why I still think he gets there. Um, and if we can get a big blowout, um, um, uh, backup quarterback there, who's named Malik Murphy, uh, seems to really like him. So if something was to happen, then I think uh, that that uh, he can probably get there. Brandon Innes, next on the list here. Uh, targets so far this year, th- or uh, snaps so far this year, three, zero, and five. No targets, no stats recorded. Red alert, red alert. If we can move Ennis, I think I'm doing that. Uh, Jurion Dickey, eight, zero, and three. Uh, offensive snaps this year, no targets, no snaps recorded, um, and stats recorded. Again, red alert, red alert. I think I'm moving jury on Dickey. Shelton Sampson played 30 snaps in week two against Grambling, has not played other than that. Two targets in that game, no stats accrued. Red alert, red alert. Thought he would play more this year. Brian Thomas has filled the role that I thought he could fill for them, and I didn't think Brian Thomas was capable of that. So uh, joke's on me, I suppose. Um, uh, Hakeem Williams, uh, five, 23 and zero snaps through three games that zero last week, a little bit concerning there, two targets, one catch, nine yards. Um, I, I'm, I'm fairly concerned there. They've got enough, uh, kind of guys in the way. Um, not quite as concerned as I was with Samson, Dickey, Ennis. Uh, but I also don't think he's as good of a player as those guys. So, you know, doing that calculus in your head. Uh, always a fun game there. Jalen Hale at Alabama, 13-0 and 6 offensive snaps so far. Three total targets, um, but uh, I don't believe has registered uh, any stats. Uh, oh, no, sorry. He has one catch for five yards. Uh, I don't think he gets there because this offense, even if there was a blowout, which not even really sure they're capable of, of doing at this point, um, it's not really the passing offense that's clicking a ton. So, Hale... I think red alert. Makai Lemon, 25, 12, and zero snaps through three games. Five targets, four catches, 13 yards. Uh, he does have a kick return as well. Um, I think he's going to be close. I think he's going to be close. Uh, I still think USC has a couple blowouts left in him. So uh, similar to Jonte, I think he gets there. I'm a little less confident even than I am in Cook with him, but I, I do think that he's going to get uh, pretty close there. Uh, Noah Rogers, three, zero, and five offensive stats, no targets, no stats recorded, red alert, red alert, as we kind of predicted. Um, his role, there's just too many guys there at Ohio State uh, for him to get in there. And if there's going to be a freshman on the boundary that's getting snaps, it's going to be Tate over him. So uh, not not great news for Noah Rogers. Malachi Coleman in Nebraska, one, six, and six so far. So that's actually... Like it's low number, but it's actually kind of encouraging because he missed. Uh, he was not an early enrollee, and then he was kind of banged up in uh, camp, so he doesn't have a ton of 
uh, experience there. That offense is still kind of finding itself, I think. Doesn't have a target, no stats recorded, but I uh, think there's a chance that he gets there uh, overall. I mean, I'm not like banking on it, but I, I do think it's possible. And then here's the big one that I think is a huge sell right now because some people still really like him. Cordell Russell at TCU, 0, 17, and 0. That's 17 came against Nichols. Uh, one target so far, no stats recorded. Um, has, like, I don't, I, I don't, I don't think he's very good at football crazy athlete though um but in terms of like how good some of these big athletes are i I, he's high keen williams ish in terms of like just not a very good football player so i think he's a big sell i bet somebody likes him uh he's not playing in a very thin weak bad tcu wide receiver room so red flags there so how how would i suggest you move these guys um i've talked a little bit on this show before and some other shows about how i'm either usually uh, trading up or trading down, trading up means you're taking a younger guy and turning them into an older, more established piece. Trading down means the opposite, you know, maybe an NFL guy or a guy getting close to the NFL and you're moving them down for lower general rules of thumb. If I have a Debbie guy that's in like that, he's going to the NFL next year, probably not trading him down because that's just, you know, you got a winning lottery ticket, you know, you scratch off, you want a hundred bucks then you went back and just bought another scratch off with it. No, you want to take the hundred bucks, buy something nice for yourself. Um, so freshmen are kind of hard to trade down. Really, the only thing that's down is future picks. If you can recoup initial value, I don't necessarily hate that play. But I think generally, if you go to somebody that you just spent a first round pick on and you offer them to somebody else for a first round pick, um, maybe you're, maybe some of your league mates aren't uh, super familiar yet with the format and they, they might be like, oh, hot damn. But I think for me, if somebody does that, that's raising red flags immediately. Like, why are you offering me a player you just took that's played three games at this pick for essentially the same pick like that that's kind of odd um so i think the better way to trade to trade them is to trade them up either for a more established piece um or because i think it's hard to trade a guy that hasn't proven themselves yet in a one you know by themselves for anything what i like to try to do with them is is you've got malik neighbors and you've got brandon Innes on your team and there's a real nice, uh, the example that I used, I think, in our Discord was Calvin Ridley. I think he's a good one because he's a little bit older, but still probably has a couple years left. Um, a bad NFL team in your league has has Calvin Ridley. You offer those two as kind of that package. You know, I'm giving you two legit Debbie assets. Look, Campus Canton has Brandon Ennis top 15, and they've got Malik Neighbors, you know, top 12 or whatever. I'm going to give you both those guys for Calvin Ridley. Um, your team's not very good anyway. They say, yes, now you have Calvin Ridley. And if Ennis ends up being a, a, a zero, you know, we know that the, the numbers say that he's probably not going to be a significant NFL asset. Um, so you basically traded, you know, one Debbie asset for a good NFL player. And that's always the goal. You know, if you can get like a one for one, true one for one kind of deal on those things, um, you, you tend to feel good because usually the price for established NFL piece for college guys, more of like a two or three for one kind of deal, um, just because someone's taking on some risk. So um, that's the kind of way that I like to package them. Um, you know, uh, if you guys have offers that you're considering or you're trying to figure out, you know, should I offer this? Is it fair? Is it too much? Is it too little? Always feel free to either drop it in the, the, the chat or if you've got league mates in there, you can always DM me. I check the Discord every day. I'm not always in there, um, but, but I'm usually around. I can get back to you within a couple of hours. Um, so that that's kind of what I'm doing with these guys. And I think, that's a pretty good summary. I mean, there's there's some guys further down on this list or guys that I've never valued anyway that aren't playing um, that, you know, I, I think were questionable. You probably shouldn't have been drafting them anyway. Um, that includes guys like Ryan Niblett. Um, 
the two Florida, Aiden Mizzle, Andy Jean, DeAndre Moore Jr., um, Chris Culliver at North Carolina. I mean, these are all guys that I think, yeah, you, you probably shouldn't have been taking anyway. Um, you, they were also, for the most part, probably didn't cost you a ton. Um, if this is your first season playing, I think, um, and you went really freshman heavy in your freshman draft, I think you're kind of, you can kind of see how tough it is for some of these freshman wide receivers. And I think maybe that's a good, um, you know, learned lesson for the next year's draft that maybe you pivot away from these freshmen uh, a little bit quicker um, just because it's so hard to hit on a bunch of them. Uh, that's why uh, I think um, some of the better C2C players that I, that I know uh, tend to pivot away from the freshmen pretty early, uh, even in supplemental drafts. Um, if you're adding guys on waivers, it obviously means that you got to be cutting players to make room for them. Um, I mean, I, I, I throw out a handful of names in this, this article, but I think realistically, I think guys have been tossing out some, some names in the discord over the past couple of days that are really good that you can, uh, definitely get rid of DJ Allen, uh, TCU. Um, uh, I'm trying to think who else you guys asked about yesterday. Um, there's quite a few of them, honestly, if they've been around for over a year and they still haven't done anything, they were kind of quote unquote stashes. Then, you know, show them the door. I think guys like Keon Gray's Shaz Preston are, are good ones to get rid of. Um, uh, Kendrick law. If you have him, I think you can get rid of him. Another Alabama, uh, highly rated guy, uh, Cartavius Norton. I think I'm fine with, um, just Iowa state's so bad. The running back there doesn't really matter too much. Um, some CFF guys that I thought that I think we thought were going to be good. Uh, Sean Tyler, uh, honestly, I'd probably consider cutting Rodney Hammond to pit. Don't know what the deal is there. Um, I'm trying to think of some other, the, the, that kind of that level of player, uh, Samson Evans, even like I'm probably holding him, but if I desperately need a running spot at Eastern Michigan there, I'm, I'm contemplating being okay with that. Um, I just think, you know, and and obviously if you have any guys that were year one zeros in past years that still aren't playing a ton, I think they're completely fine to get rid of. So you can go back and look in the year one zero tool at last year's guys and look and see uh, who ended up as zero and, and kind of uh, gauge from there. Um, but, you know, I think um, I'm fairly aggressive dropping guys, especially if the profile or the offense that they're in aren't great. Maybe they turn around in a year or two but I find it pretty rare that I end up uh, I've certainly dropped guys that ended up being good in the future, but I think it's rare that I regret it or think in the long term it was the wrong play, even if that does end up happening. Um, and just looking at some guys from last year, for instance, that maybe I would consider uh, dropping Well, some of these guys you should have dropped forever ago. Um, but I would drop um any of the OSU wide receivers from last year, quite frankly, Kayla Brown, Grays, Antwi, um, those guys can all go. Um, I'm dropping, I'm honestly fine, probably fine dropping Caden Saunders at Penn State. I don't think he's very good. Um, CJ Williams is a guy that just really has done nothing at Wisconsin this year. I think he's droppable depending on the situation. I dropped Talon Shetron from Oklahoma State in a couple places this week. Um, you know, th that caliber of player I think is fine. You know, they, the, the perceived upside is so high with those guys that you, you are, uh, oh, I'm, I, yeah, I'm hesitant too. I mean, but, um, I think in the long term, you know, getting more immediate, uh, upside or immediate project, uh, pro uh, projectability or production, I think is really what we're looking for here. Uh, freshmen who weren't really guys that we talked about a ton that have been doing really well this year, true freshmen. 
Uh, I mentioned Anthony Calandria before. Um, I quite frankly don't think this was really a miss for us. Can really only dive so deep, and we really, really do go really far down kind of the recruiting lists. I mean, this kid was like player 1400 or something in the composite. He only had one power five offer. Is not the kind of guy that I would have ever advocated for anybody to go get. Um, and quite frankly, I still am not buying him at this stage. I think the fact that he's a freshman is nice. Um, but this almost feels more like I'm trying to think of like a true freshman quarterback. Uh, that, that's that's started over the past couple of years. There, there have been a couple that like they'll play a little bit as a freshman. And you're like, wow, this guy's like good for a freshman. And then they like that's kind of what they are. I could see Calandria being that. I'm not a huge fan of what I've seen so far. Like he looks fine. He looks he's operating the offense at a better level than I thought this offense would operate uh, this this week. But unless you're in like a super deep league, not a guy that I'm uh, terribly interested in. Eric Singleton uh, Jr. at Georgia Tech. Uh, I don't want to say he wasn't on our radar because we had talked about just you know kind of guys that are crazy athletes, and he definitely fit in that bucket. Um, this past week was the first week where he saw meaningful uh, volume. He had, he had kind of turned lower volume stuff into uh, some decent uh, uh, production over the, the prior weeks, but uh, 11 targets uh, in this one, um, five catches, 97 yards, and a touchdown. Um, he's kind of an undersized deep guy. I think he's, he's very similar kind of to Squirrel White. But I think what makes Squirrel White interesting is that offense that he plays in. Um, Georgia Tech doesn't have... Uh, that same level of consistent explosiveness available to them, even with Haynes King playing a little bit better than I think we expected. So uh, Singleton is is an ad for me, but not a priority guy. Um, but he is a fun player. Um, and, if, you know, I, I think he actually could end up being a sell. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, and then Keon Jenkins is the other guy that I wrote down here. And I was corrected, actually, after I wrote this article that the official guys did talk about him on their G5 episode last year. Actually, I listen to every episode of the official, but I listened to the G5 episode pretty intently because there are usually a name or two in there that I uh, hadn't looked at yet. So um, jokes on me, our team. He was on our radar, not on my radar, though. So, you know, and I write the article. So tough, tough nuggies there, uh, uh, recruiting team. Um, but he's been excellent. And I don't think anyone would have expected him to step in as a true freshman and be really freaking good for them. So um, I think he's a huge buy. I think if he's floating around out there, put in a, a, a lower uh, waiver claim for him, get him, put him on your roster. Um, could have a nice couple of years there, uh, depending on what that offense looks like long-term. Uh, a couple of the, uh, there were some other guys I mentioned LJ Martin specifically, but we did have him in the guide. We were just too low on him. Uh, but he was a guy that we were saying you should be drafting. So, um, overall, you know, we, we at least did our job. We said you should draft him. <laughs> um, uh, you, I, I didn't at all. So, um, you know, I didn't follow our own advice, but he was there. Um, Luther Burden. This So this section, when I started out, I intended it this week to be kind of like some odd facts that uh, probably don't sound real from around college football. And then as I started pulling Luther Burden stats, I was like, oh, okay, actually, like, I think I just want to write about Luther Burden. And I was sitting there. It helped uh, watching the Missouri game as I did it on Saturday. Um, I think Burden was a really fun discussion this year. And I think a bit of a Rorschach test for a Debbie analysts, if you think that a player kind of is what he is, 
um, and the 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 early usage kind of shows what he is, then yeah, Burton definitely was a sell um, for you and 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 not a buy. Um, if you are a kind of person who says you know are a little more uh, context driven overall, and for the record, I'm not saying either of those approaches is correct, and I even think depending on the player, sometimes I'll fluctuate a little bit in terms of whether I'm being a little more context driven or uh, usage driven. Um, but for me, Burden was always a guy that I think needed to be considered in context. Um, yes, he was not the leading receiver at Missouri last year. Um, but he definitely, I think, was kind of one of the more important pieces there that that kind of did some of the dirty work that Dominic Lovett wasn't capable of doing. And I don't know that there was any shame in him performing worse than Dominic Lovett because Dominic Lovett then transferred to Georgia this offseason. So maybe should have been a clue. I'm not a huge Lovett fan. Uh, at least not like at that level, but I, you know, I think it's probably an indicator that it's not like love it is some bum um, that, that, you know, we, we should have been really, really worried burden so far this year. It's interesting. He's actually uh, been targeted 28 times. So 10 more than he had at this point last season, he's been wide receiver 15 in full PPR. So he's been extremely productive. Um, and then if you kind of go into some of the underlying stats, I think they're interesting, but I think, uh, worth discussing here. So Burden actually has a lower a dot now than he did last year, which was kind of the rub on him was that he was working really close to the line of scrimmage. Um, but I think if we're talking about some of those deeper targets, he is connecting on more of them this year than he was last year. Um, they're kind of like, I I've been calling them kind of like empty deep targets. Like they weren't really super catchable. Um, they weren't, Situate situationally particularly appropriate. Um, and Burden wasn't creating a ton of separation uh, deep either. Like, well, I'll, I'll call a spade a spade, but he has been this year. And when he is open downfield, they're getting him the ball and he is connecting on those passes. I think the move to the slot uh, has been helpful for him. And again, context, I think I would expect a slightly lower dot with him playing out of the slot. I have always comped Luther Burden to Juju Smith-Schuster. I think he's in that bucket of player. Pre-knee injury, Juju was a pretty freaking good NFL wide receiver out of the slot as kind of the um, second guy in the offense, um, but a really good second guy in the offense. And I think if there's no knee injuries, that he probably still puts up a couple of really uh, nice years after AB leaves, um, just from a person who watched Juju play for years uh, as a Steelers fan. And at, I'm not a USC fan, but watched him at USC. I think Burden is a very similar player. Like I think he needs to be operating more out of the slot. He's 85, uh, 85.5% this year. I would like to see that number maybe closer to 70, 65%. Um, but overall, I think slot kind of benefits him quite a bit. Um, just with how he plays, he's very physical after the catch, can win deep, explosive, um, kind of uh, uh, plays with nice physicality. Uh, drop percentage has improved significantly this year. Yards per route run has improved significantly this year. So... Um, overall, I think really encouraging signs. I think folks who held him or drafted him with him falling a little bit, I got him, I believe the three Oh three in the startup this off season. And that felt like I, like I just had to take him there. Uh, and I'm, I'm obviously very happy now that I did. Um, so, so things have, have been working out for him. I think this is a good start. I think, um, he might still be undervalued. If you can go sniff around and buy him, I, I would potentially do that. Last point for the week, weekly challenge is what I'm doing this week. There was no real game of the week where it was like two got two teams that I thought just both have a ton of NFL talent. I'm watching both sides and, and really, really enjoying it. 
got that with Texas Alabama last week or two weeks ago. And then uh, week one, we had that FSU LSU matchup. Didn't get one of those this week. So what I wanted to kind of highlight, I wanted to give you guys a challenge for a player to go buy that I still think is too cheap. And it's Kadon Salter. Now, yes. Is this the best week to buy him after he put up almost 60 fantasy points last week, depending on the scoring in your league? Maybe not, but I still think there is a lot of value there with him as a guy that has, I believe, including this year, three years of eligibility left. Jimmy Chadwell has just consistently gotten strong, efficient quarterback production. And I think we've seen with him not there in Coastal Carolina this year, Grayson McCall has not been his effective self. And I think a large part of that is because of what Chadwell, the amount of easy looks that he gave him. And I think McCall probably is a better passer overall than Salter, although Salter certainly the higher rated guy at a high school. So maybe he can get there, but I think where a lot of the fantasy value came from, for McCall was kind of the rushing production and Salter is definitely a better athlete than him. So uh, as we've seen so far, like he's, he's done quite well. Uh, from a rushing production standpoint, Liberty plays like just straight up, if not the worst schedule in the country for the rest of the season, it's got to be bottom five, bottom 10. It's, it's really, really weak. I think he's probably a weekly starter moving forward. Um, so I, I think, you know, a third or fourth round supplemental pick, I'd probably pay that for Salter today. And I think this is buying him high because I still think the uh, value is going to go up there a little bit. That's going to do it for this week's show, guys. Thank you again to all of you. Um, we'll be, uh, I'll be back next week doing the same show. Make sure you're tuning in uh, to the Waldman show every week. I don't know who he's talking about this week, but always a really, really good listen with him. Someone who's been doing this for forever and uh, been quite successful at it. Uh, and then uh, the Nelly uh, strategy show every week, I think, touches on a lot of topics that we get frequent questions on. Um, roster construction, draft strategy, waiver, early season waivers, what are we doing with freshmen, all these different kinds of um, areas that haven't really been tapped into yet a ton in terms of research he's digging into and uh, providing analysis. So I think it's a, a really nice show uh, weekly over there. So go give both, both of those a listen, uh, and I will see you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in.